let's, uh, let's start tonight um, where we've been talking about prayer and trying to learn through. We've been laying a foundation for it, and there's a reason we've, we've taken a significant amount of time to get to this point, just so that some of these, these main foundational issues just get really familiar to us and become part of what we are. Last week we began looking at um, what we're, we're well known as the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we might start by reading there uh, again this evening. So Matthew chapter 6, let me find that, and we'll read through that here, and then we'll, um, we'll start our topic tonight. So Matthew chapter 6, uh, let's, um, let's see, we'll, we'll start in verse 9. It says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer as we continue. Our Heavenly Father, we Thank you for the opportunity to, to gather this evening and to, to learn more of how you have taught us to draw near. Uh, help us as we, we learn that and as it becomes part of who we are, that indeed our times of, of prayer and seeking you would be some of our most precious times of life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we, we, we looked at this a little bit last week, kind of broke it down a little bit, and we're going to be, look at it again a little more practically tonight through the lenses of some other places. Um, noting last week, you know, this, this prayer is brief, it's simple, and it's extremely comprehensive. Uh, you know, there, you know, I've preached through this a couple of times, and it is, there is so much packed in there, you, you, can, you can get a lot out of these few verses, yet at the same time, the, the briefness and the simplicity of it can buoy you and encourage you as, and, and fill you with, with faith just through its simplicity. And one of the things we noted about that is one of the things Jesus is teaching us here about prayer is it doesn't have to be complicated uh, and, and eloquent and big and, and long. Get to the point, and we, we, look, we looked at that a little bit last, last week. And as you, as you grow in prayer, and as your prayer life grows and your spiritual life grows, your prayers are going to change. And they may or may not become more eloquent or, or not, but they will change. As you grow deeper in your relationship with God, so your prayers will, will reflect that. They will, if we're doing it as Jesus taught us, our prayers will become much more biblical in how they are and, and how they are founded. And so we divided this into two last week, because it easily divides into two main ideas. Uh, and But just by way of reminder, the first parts so of the first three phrases in there are about God's glory. So that's what the beginning of the prayer is, is about. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So those are statements about the glory of God. To lift up who God is, 
statements of who he is. The rest of those, so the next three statements that follow, are then about our need. And so we've been talking about it like this in these uh, two ways, uh, that God is worthy and I am needy. And so we've divided it up and mentioned it like that, and that's how it, it structures here. And that idea, those, those two main parts, really form the basic structure of all good prayer. If it can come with, with those two things, uh, the glory of God, and then from the glory of God expressing our need, well then we're at a place where we can truly pray. We mentioned last week, and we read last week from Psalm 40, it says, Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified, but I am poor and needy. Same thing the psalmist expresses there, and he goes on to express his need, having declared the glory of God. It also reveals to us a pattern, and we've, we've slowly gone through these four ideas that we, we see through, through all of this, and maybe we have a little bit of an advantage here. Every Sunday and every Wednesday, we see, uh, see Brother Jovert up there, and, and he leads with his, his hand, and most of the songs we sing are in what we call 4-4 four, four time. So we're going to use that pattern a little bit. You can change it uh, to whatever, it, but it seems to work for me. Um, I didn't make it up. I learned it from somewhere else, but it's an easy way to remember it. If something else works for you, uh, you can do it that way. And so there's a little diagram on the page to kind of illustrate that. But when you, you watch, uh, watch Brother, uh, Brother Sal and Brother Jobert there lead the singing, uh, we start with an upstroke at the beginning. So we go up, and then we come down, and then in, out, and back up. And that's our typical sort of four-four pattern. We're going to use that as well. So we start, we go up into reverence. So our prayers start by going from us up into reverence for God. Then we come downward into response. So having seen who God is, we then draw down, kind of if you think of bowing your head with that in response to who we've seen who God is. Having gone up, down, we come inward into us uh, where we talk about our requests. So we're coming towards us. So how does this affect me or the people around me? So reverence, response, request. And then just to keep the R's going, when we go outward, we call that readiness. That is, so what do I need to do outside of me? What's happening today? And what do I need to look at? How do I need to be prepared for what is in front of me? And then we finish upward again with reverence. So, making the, so now every time you watch this singing being led, it can remind you of how to pray. Reverence, response, request, readiness, reverence. Um, like I said, you can think of another way that works for you if it covers those ideas and how it works, but it's, a, it's a, kind of a visual way that, that will help. So we take that, that idea. That's what we're going to, to see going through here and then look at it. So those four things are the things we have been talking about over the last six weeks. And we've developed little by little those four principles. And so by keeping this pattern in mind, we can keep our prayers focused as they ought to be, um, start in the right place, and finish in the right place. So, 
we, we've talked, and the place we started was the springboard for our prayers needs to be the Bible. We need to get into the scriptures and we need to look at it and see it and start with the Bible as the place we start our prayers. Let that be the foundation of it and starting with it. So start with an open Bible. Now, it's also important that when we start with an open Bible, that as we read through it, we understand it. Um, so if you, you need to, open your Bible and, and maybe have you know, a resource or two around you that you can think help. If you need a Bible dictionary there, for word, have that there. Or, a, or a, um, you know, if you use a study Bible, a, a, a recommended study Bible or something that has some little notes in it that might help you. So you make sure you understand what you're, you're reading. If you need to, read it in your, your mother tongue, your language you're most comfortable with, so that you can understand what you're reading. Above all things, the most important thing, the reason God has given us the word of God, is to understand it. So, sit there. If you need a few resources around you, just take them, put them there, refer to them as you need so that you understand it. Um, because it can easily go astray. You know, as we start looking at the word of God, if we are applying it in the wrong way or thinking about it the wrong way, we end up in places where we, we shouldn't be and asking for things which may even be completely contrary to what God uh, is, is thinking and, and desiring. So, we start with an open Bible. We come with a ready mind. That is, we're going to submit the, the work of the Holy Spirit as he uses the scriptures to enlighten us and to teach us. And then we, we begin. So, let's begin this idea and let's kind of step our way through this tonight and think through it a little bit so we're going to start as we go up as as the lord's prayer does here with reverence that question that we ask who is god now on the notes i've left a fair bit of room for writing you may write a lot of things tonight requests or ideas that we come through you may not write anything at all that's that's okay but i've left a lot of white space so that you have that that chance so we start with this upward focus. So instead of coming to, to God and opening our, our prayers with what needs to be done or what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling, I start here with, with reverence to God. As Jesus teaches us here, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So lifting up our God and considering who he is. So taking that time to to focus and to be in wonder. I think it was probably the first week when we started, I set a little task or a little challenge to take a, a psalm probably or something like that and then look through it and then just praise God. Uh, that's a good habit to just keep going with uh, and, and learning. It doesn't have to be a psalm. It can be anything, but just practicing it. Here is a moment where I, all I'm going to do in this moment is just see what it says about God and praise him and thank him for who he is. But start there in wonder of who God is. Because like we saw last week in here, it says that he is father, but he is also in heaven. So he is both personal and transcendent. Uh, is he is our father who is in heaven. He reigns over all. He is in control over all things. And we're told that we can draw near in full assurance of faith. Hebrews 10 verse 22 says let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith James 4 
4, 8 says, draw near to God. And what's the response to that? He will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The pastors of old, A.W. Tozer, said this. And I, I saw this first when I read his book about, about God. And it's never really left me, but was reminded of it as we saw it here. He says this. He says, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And the most uh, pretentious or most uh, effective or most pertinent thing, fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. It's the most important thing about you, the thing that is going to affect you and your life more than anything is how you understand God and how you think about God. That will affect your life more deeply than anything else, how you think about God. So the idea here, the idea of starting our prayer here in reverence is, is this. It is to set our minds on God so that our minds or our thoughts on God are enlarged. So that we are growing in our understanding of who God is. Uh, it's, it's been said often, books have been written with the title and, and things. It says, your God is too small. And the statement like that doesn't mean that God is too small, but that you think too small of God. And so the idea of starting our prayers with reverence is so that our minds will be enlarged with who God is, to set our focus right, to set our focus on God and not on ourselves. This reverence is vital to the exercise of faith. You know, if, if I'm saying and I'm growing and I'm wanting to to grow my faith in prayer. How am I going to grow my faith if I don't know who it is I'm trying to put my trust in? So I've got to grow my understanding of the very one I'm seeking to trust. So as we learn who God truly is and we worship him, we will learn to trust him. So how do we do that? How does it come to this place where we can do that? When you come to a passage in and you come to your, your time where you sit with God to think through and to spend time in prayer and, and understand his word, ask yourself that simple question as you read it. Who is God? What does this passage tell me about who God is? And express to me about who God is, his nature, his character, his works. What does it say about who God is? You know, the more we come to the Bible like this, because uh, you know, often, often it's said that you know, we, the, the Bible is like an instruction book, an instruction on how to live, and it's not really. The Bible is God telling us who he is. So if we come to the Bible firstly, not thinking, I'm going to look to see how God wants me to live, but instead come to the Bible saying, I want to see who the God is who has given me life, then our perspectives change and the way we pray changes. And that's when we begin to understand his name. And when we begin to understand his name, that's when we begin to understand how to pray. You're, as you come and as you read a passage of scripture and you look for who God is, um, you don't have to be bound to that place, to that scripture. You know, some of us have in our Bibles, you might have cross-references down the middle or at the bottom or maybe at the back, and has little things in there. 
follow the cross-references. If you see a word, think that, that, that word or that statement intrigues me. Follow that, that reference. One of my favorite Bible resources, and you can get it for free on the internet in a thousand different places, is the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. Uh, all it is is a list of verses. So it, it goes through every verse in the Bible and gives you cross-references for everything. And you sit there and you can follow that through. You can spend hours just following those things. Or maybe as you're reading and, and you see a phrase or you see something about God, another verse comes to mind. Turn there, find it, and read that. See if they connect. See what they help you understand more about God. You don't have to be bound just to that place. Let the Spirit lead. If you're sitting and you're reading the Word of God, and for some reason while you're reading the Word of God, that phrase or that trait or that nature of God is, is coming out to you, follow it. There's a reason why. Follow that and learn from it. Maybe even a song comes to mind. Um, we're going to look here in just a moment and we're going to spend most of our time here in Psalm 46. As you come to Psalm 46, this is the psalm that inspired Martin Luther to write, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. So you might read passages and go, I, I can see that hymn in this psalm. And maybe you want to sing it. Sing it. You know, if it's you know, five o'clock in the morning and the house is asleep, you might want to sing it quietly. But, but sing it. If a song comes to mind or a poem, then allow that to, to happen and enjoy it. Because if anything, our time in the Word of God should be enjoyable. And I think for too many people, the idea of devotions has come to mean sit down, study, and it's hard work. And we don't come to it with the idea that it's something I can enjoy. But it should be something you, sh you could enjoy. You know, if you're artistic, and I know some of you are, you know, my, my, my girls sometimes, they'll sit in, and even in church with their notes and they'll, they'll come, instead of just filling in the notes they have, they, they draw it out. Or they, they'll make a, a word picture out of it or, or something. If that's you, do that. It doesn't have to be structured. You don't have to come out at the end with a doctrinal treatise uh, or a diary that's going to be recorded and passed down from generation to generation. You should come to the Word of God with the expectation that today I'm going to enjoy seeing God and maybe he's going to correct me and maybe it'll hurt, but I'm going to come here to see who God is. So it can be as simple as say, well, how, how, do I, how do I do that? You know, even things like fill in the blank prayers are okay. Right? You might start and think, how am I going to just sit and praise God? Well, why not start with just, you start at the top of the page with, I praise you because you are. And then, as you read through that passage of scripture, write it in. I praise you because you are this or that. Why don't we start doing that? Let's, let's turn to Psalm 46. And let's uh, put this into practice a little bit tonight as we consider Psalm 46. <coughs> So Psalm 46, 
to the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a song upon Alamo. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Can you hear a mighty fortress already there? Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The whole place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Silah. Yes, we, we come here, so we, we've come, we've, we've read our psalm. You know, we might need to take time in, in our own time to read through it a couple of times and just think through it or, or find that one part that stands out to us. And it, it may take a significant amount of time and it may just take a short amount of time. You know, there, there may be times where this first part of reverence may take up your whole time that you have in prayer that day or that, that moment. And that's okay. Okay, you don't need to feel uh, pressured or upset or troubled that as you sat down and as you read God's word and you began to pray that you didn't get to request then. That's okay. If you've sat and you've praised God, you have done something worthy with your time and worth spending. As you read through this, the first question we come to ask ourselves is, who is God? So let's look through here for a minute. Who is God in Psalm 46? What do you see of him? Yes. He is a refuge and a help. That comes through several times. Uh, it's the theme that runs through here. God is our refuge, strength, our help. Jacob. His voice melts the earth. Yes. Yeah, that's a, a powerful statement about his, his power and his, his strength and his sovereignty there. Sorry? He is in control. Yes. He is in control. He is with us, yes. Yep, that's right, that he is with us. Like that becomes one of the main themes, verse 7 and verse 11. You know, and those are some of the things that you might look for. So as you read through that, you notice, you know what? He repeats 
that same phrase twice. So in verse 7 and verse 11, he says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Why repeat that? Well, there's something to think about, to mull over, because that's saying something to us about who God is. at some of the names that it uses of God. Yes, Joseph. Lord of hosts. He's the captain of the army. He's the Lord of hosts. Most high. Yes, most high. Yahweh, yes. Yep. Lord, so the last half of the, the psalm, he uses Yahweh. So there is. So there's, there's just a few things there that it says, says of God, that he is our refuge, that he is our strength. Um, you know, and... It helps as you go through these, these things, read through it, and, and write them down. And, and I'm going to suggest that as we go through tonight, that and the reason I say the paper might help more is write these things down. Okay, maybe you can keep but but write them down. And there's going to be a reason, see, as we go through, and then next week again will help. But write some of these things down. If there's a name of God that comes out to you, write it down. Or just make, make a list of those things that you see. He is the most high in verse 4. He is magnificent and powerful. His voice melts the earth. He is very present. He is the abundant help, the Lord of hosts who is with us. He is mighty and he is peace-loving. Now, as you read through a passage of Scripture and you start thinking through and, and maybe you start listing all of the things that you, you see and you uh, understand about God as you go through there, you might, you might latch on to one attribute. Say, for this morning or, or tonight as I'm here, it's, it's that one. You know, and as we read through this together, you know, we've had uh, a number of people come and see different things. And so maybe one of those names tonight or one of those attributes of God tonight is going to affect you more than it's going to affect me or somebody else. Because the Word of God is living and powerful and it's, the Spirit is speaking you. So if, if one of those things is, is drawing to your mind more clearly, think, think on that. You know, he begins the psalm with, with God or Elohim and, and expresses it also in that phrase, uh, most high. You know, as you think about, about that name, maybe you think he, he talks about God, Elohim. Maybe that takes you back to think about, because it talks about his power, about Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, Elohim, the God who is three and present eternally in one, almighty, triune, sovereign, creator. Maybe that name, because you've seen it or heard it somewhere else recently, you think, ah, that name reminds me of this other passage I read or thought about or heard. It's interesting also as you look through. So the psalm begins and 
and he writes it in the, the first half of the psalm, he uses Elohim as the name of God. And the second half of Psalm 46, he uses Yahweh, the covenant name of God. Maybe it's because of this, maybe it's because of the way that God typically works through us, that as, as David sets his mind uh, on, on, or the, the, the writer sets his mind on who God is and sees the power and strength of God. I, one of the fantastic things about this psalm is it starts off and it's, it's tumultuous and it's um, earth-shaking, literally, and it gives you the sense of like a, a, an earthquake and volcano erupting here. That's how chaotic the world seems to the psalmist. And in, in that chaos and in that trouble, he sees, he sees almighty God. And as he sees almighty God, the, the, the strength and the power and the sovereign reign of this great God, it leads him to a place of trust where he moves from seeing God as almighty and transcendent in heaven to Father Yahweh, the God I put my trust in because he is faithful, because he is with me, because he is my refuge, because he is the God of Jacob. So he sees God as both transcendent and personal. Is that not how Jesus taught us to pray at the beginning? Our Father, which art in heaven, the God who is both personal and transcendent. As you read through, maybe you find the main theme. The main theme of the psalm, psalm is that God is sufficient in our times of trouble. That he is all we need. In the midst of the chaos. You know, verse 1 to 3 is just chaos and, and, and trouble. And then you come to verse 4. So he's described this, this earth-shaking earthquake and the, the tumult and the chaos in verse 1 to 3. And then you come to verse 4, and it's, it's almost like a, a, a stop. There's this, this cataclysm of, of trouble, and then there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. In the midst of the chaos, he finds in God an oasis, a stream of tranquility and peace. As we take a moment and you look through that psalm and you see what is the psalmist saying about God? What is he seeing about God? What is he understanding about God that, that I learn? Once I've grasped that and I've wrestled with some of those thoughts, you know, I've done that upward stroke of reverence. Now I'm coming down to response. Because right? that, that was the next thing he said. Is once we see who God is, the natural thing that follows is what do I do in response to that revelation? How should I respond? In the Lord's Prayer, it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now how do I respond to that? If he is in heaven, let his will be done on earth. Uh, that, that response to who he is. Like we've said before, Revelation always requires a response. God's word moves our emotions and, and it moves our mind. And passion and vitality of prayer comes from our worship and we're moved to respond. And to think on who God is, to respond to God's character. 
That's why we need to you know, be submissive and listen and, and yield to the work of the Spirit in us through the Word of God. So it, it leads us to ask that, that question, what does the truth about God that I've just seen require of me? Right. So there we have, we've, we've seen one, we've got that chaos, and one of the responses then is, I can be calm. Don't be overwhelmed by those things. So in response to his character, how do we want his kingdom to come? How do we want his will to be done? Uh, you're, you're, you're responding to what you have learned about God. So in that, that moment, see, as you read and what you're building on what you've known of, known of God. So don't, don't, don't make it up. And what I mean by that is don't try and, and rely on the, the statements you know and the things that just come easily from us, the, uh, the, the trite expressions of Christianity or the things that we think think we should say in that moment. And we all know what that means, don't we? Because we get to that place and we, we think, well, I know what I'm feeling inside, but I know what I should say. And this is that moment where you need to resist the urge to, I know what I should say, but what do I need to do now to respond to God? To be open and true and honest about who he is. This is that, that moment of, of reverence and response, that moment of he is worthy and I am needy. You know, I have just looked at who God is and that is not me. But it requires me to do something, to be something, to change something. To recognize he is sovereign. So how does that, how does that that work? What might be some of the, the, the ways? So for the psalmist, here's his reverence, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That is his reverence. And verse 2 is his response, therefore we will not fear. So for the psalmist, that's it. He's in a place where chaos seems to surround him. And he looks at God, and to, to him, he sees God who is his, his help. And so he says, if God is truly my help, if I truly believe that that is who God is, I will not fear. I will not fear. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried away into the midst of the sea, if everything falls apart, I will not fear. Because God is my help. Have complete confidence in him. Trust that he will do right. Which leads us you know, to, to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Right, we, we, we sing that, that chorus and we like that thing. We've, we've got coffee mugs on it. Be still and know that I am God. Right, and, and it's, it's great and it's lovely and it makes us feel good about ourselves. The psalmist wrote that when his world was crumbling. The world is falling apart. And he says, 
be still and look at God. Look at God. So how do we respond? I don't, I don't mean for you to, to get particularly personal here and say, well, this is... But what are some... What, you know, we've, we've said some things about who God is. What might that be in, in ways that we can respond to God here? Ina shared one with us there at the beginning. Humility, yeah. Yep. You see, so this is where we look, we look at those attributes we've seen of God. And now we need to make it personal. I said, because it's no good for me to come to Scripture and go, yep, that's who God is. Now I need to say, so what does that, what does that mean for me? So if, if he is almighty, what does, that, what does that mean for me right now? How do I need to respond to that in my own life right now? If he is uh, truly in control of all things and trustworthy when the earth falls apart, then why do I keep trying to control everything and fix everything? I need to be humble and trust. So we're, we're moving ourselves into a place where we make these, these realities the personal truths that they actually are. There's a reason God tells us who he is like this. So then we, we go, we, we lift our, our eyes in reverence, we bow our heads in response, and having worshipped, you know, proclaiming God for who he is, responding to who he is, then I bring that into my request. You know, the only time I'm going to know how to truly request something is when I've worshipped first. If I haven't worshipped, I'm not really going to know how to request, how to speak to God. Give us this day our daily bread, it says, and lead us not into temptation, but forgive us our debts. Maybe now is the, is the time perhaps that we can think about some of the things we need to, to pray about. And we can list some of those things that are on our minds or, or that's happening around us. These are things that, that need to be prayed for. And I, I'd, I'd like to, to share that so you'll pray with me on, on those things. Is there anything we have to pray for? Both requests and praises and... Oh, sorry, Matt, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, so Matt's traveling to the to Philippines on Saturday for a couple of weeks and Travel these days is not as straightforward as it used to be, um, plus all the other things. So pray for Matt as he, he travels to the Philippines on the Saturday morning. You leave, isn't it? We've got an election coming up. Yes, Ina. Praise for John. 
Okay, yep, we'll pray for his husband, John, and his, his back. So has he got any mobility at all, or is he kind of stuck? And yeah, well, very much. Very, very yeah. Much. Psalm tells us we can have peace. God will be in control. He will do what is right. And uh, if the election doesn't go the way we want it to, the world isn't going to end. So we trust him. I will not fear. No matter what, what happens, but I will... You might want to write down. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. For for Justin. Yes. You know, as I read through the psalm reviewing this afternoon, and and I, I came to. To verse 9, he maketh wars to cease and to the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Those are statements that, that God is a peace-loving God who can deal with, with uh, wars and, and all. And God can deal with Ukraine and Russia and do it right. You know, I, I've, you like to think, you know, you know if we did this, you know, the U.S. would just do that, and Australia would just do that, and we could all sort it out. And, and we go, but God knows what He's doing. He knows how to end a war. Yeah. See, now the trick here with prayer, and the reason we have started with reverence, response before requests, yeah. is because what we have just done in worship is what should be feeding our requests. Shaping how we think about those things. So now I'm not just coming to a place where I'm thinking, okay, now's the time to just work through my list. That's not what we're doing. So as you've read and as you've worshipped, you know, like I said a moment ago, as I read through this this afternoon, verse 9 came and Ukraine came to my mind. And I prayed about it then. That's where we're going. If you only pray for one thing on your list, that's all right. You've got all day to pray for everything else. You've got other days to pray for things. There is a reason that when you have worshipped, certain things are more prominent in your mind to pray for at that time. There's a reason. So follow it. As you see it, you, you see those things. You, you, maybe you're, you're in that time of tumultuous trouble and you know that ahead today, it's going to be chaos. God, it's going to be chaos. Be my river of peace. 
river of peace. God, you know, I'm going to walk into a place in work today and, and there's going to be a thousand requests on my desk and in my email for me to do and I'm going to run around like a headless chook all day trying to figure out what to do with those things. God, help me not to lose focus. Help me to be still and trust. And not to get flustered and lost and to forget that you can help me do what I need to do. These are how we can come to pray and to request. Then we come to that last part, and, and I'm taking a long time tonight, aren't I? Come to that last part, and lead us not into temptation. That is, where do I go from here? How do I walk into the world? Because at some point, you, we, we get in that place, and, and maybe you're sitting there, and you're... You're, you're in God's word and you're praying and it's just the, the sweetest time and you feel safe there. You feel this is, this is where I need to be and I'm enjoying God's word and I'm enjoying what I'm hearing but if I get up from here, I've got three kids that want breakfast and they're going to tell me one thing for breakfast and then when I give it to them, say, no, I want something else. And then I'm going to, to hear something on the news that's going to irritate me. And I know that I've got to face this or deal with this question or this problem. And then there's a thousand things that I don't know that are going to confront me today. How do I get up from here and face that? And that's what this is about. Is what, what can I find? What can I grab hold of? What do I see of God here in this scripture that I need to take with me today into the battle? Because as soon as we get up from those moments of quiet with God, we're fighting again. So the last part here is, God, what do I need when I get up? Be still and know that I am God. Is the psalmist's answer to that question as he walks into a world of chaos to remember what is there? How are the truths that you have just looked at relevant to you today as you walk out that door into the day ahead. And then, as the Lord's Prayer takes us, we come to that, that readiness where we're looking outward and what needs to do. The Lord's Prayer ends with that reverence again. Finish where you started looking at God again, reverence. And how does Psalm 46 end? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He's gone through everything that we've talked about and then he's back where he started. Don't get up from your prayer time without going back to fix your eyes on God. Finish where you started. Some days it may be quick and you only have a short time and, and that's what it is and, and maybe it's just one moment or one thing that grabs your attention and that feeds you and that's all you need for that, that day and that moment. And some days it may be longer. Be prepared that some days you may be there longer than five minutes. Some days maybe not and then some days you'll want to be there for longer than five minutes and really that's where we want to be. 
the place where we want to be there because I've looked at God and I've understood how he can change my life and the lives of people around me today, not because of what I think he can do or what I think he needs to do, but because of what I've found out he is and what he can do. And that is where we find ourselves in true prayer. We're going to delve into this. Now, the reason I've said write some stuff down, because now, having walked through all that, you have a prayer. You have written down the outline for your prayer. That's why I think it's always a great idea when you sit down and in your time spend with God, have a pen and have a paper or a diary or something and write. Because by the time you have finished writing down, when you get to the end, it's not a matter of, oh, what am I going to pray about? How am I going to pray about it? You've written it down. You already have your prayer. You know what, because God's already dealt with you. You've already walked through the process.